It's not the information that has a need. We talk often about the need to get this information out there, but the information does not have a need. It's you and your audience as human beings who have needs. I'm David Oti, and this is The Power of Story and Science, a mix of content and conversations on how to bring your science to life through powerful presentations. This episode draws its content from Chapter 2 of the soon-to-be-released third volume in the Speaker's Quick Guide series of books by yours truly. The book is titled The Speaker's Quick Guide to Presenting with Confidence, Overcome Self-Doubt and Embrace the Power of Your Message. It will be released this spring. Today we explore the question, how can I be more audience-focused? Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Power of Story and Science. I'm your host, David Oti, and as you are likely to be aware, this program is a combination of content and conversations on how you can be a more effective scientist, engineer, or other technical presenter by telling more of the story of your work. I'm really very pleased with the conversations that I've had lately with some of my guests on this show, and I'm very excited about some guests that are coming up. But today's episode is going to be a content episode. And what you're going to hear from today will be some of the content that I included in Chapter 2 of my forthcoming book, The Speaker's Quick Guide to Presenting with Confidence. And I would encourage you to refer to my website, davidote.com, for more information on when and how you can obtain that book. The reason I wrote that book is because, as a speaking coach, I've had so many people come to me and say, as much as I try to prepare to give a presentation, I still get really nervous and I don't do as good a job as I think I'm capable of doing. And so I decided to write a short yet comprehensive, is that contradictory, volume on which addresses what I perceive to be many of the most common causes of nervousness when speaking. And one of those that I'm going to focus on today, one of those causes of nervousness, is the problem many speakers have of focusing so much on how good a job they want to do as a speaker, that is, how they are presenting themselves from the stage, that they forget to focus on the needs of their audience. You see, I often coach speakers to be more audience-focused. The problem so many technical presenters have, so many scientists, engineers, project managers, IT specialists have when presenting their data or their information is that they get so focused on regurgitating information, doing an information dump, which we've all experienced as audience members and many of us have experienced as speakers. An information dump does not serve your audience well because it doesn't engage your audience, and despite all of the great information you think you're imparting, your audience will typically take very little away from an information dump. So let me plant this idea in your mind. You're going to hear this again. As a speaker, you're not there to serve up information. You're there to serve the needs of your audience. Focus on your audience's needs first before you focus on your information as contradictory as that may sound, and I believe you will not only engage more effectively with your audience, 
and give a more effective presentation. But I believe that by focusing on the audience instead of yourself and how you perceive that you are coming across, you will also overcome one of the most common sources of nervousness when speaking. So how do you do that? How do you focus on the needs of your audience? Well, I'll give you several steps. I'll give you three steps. In fact, in classic speaker format, we're going to give you three steps to becoming more audience-focused. The first step is to concentrate on what you are there to accomplish. What is your specific purpose? When we present information, we almost always have a general purpose in mind, typically to inform or to educate, perhaps even to persuade, rarely in technical presentations to entertain, although that does come into it sometimes. But those are general purposes. If you can describe your purpose in a few words, it's what we call a general purpose. Your specific purpose is something quite different. Your specific purpose is the answer to this question. What do I want my listeners to think, do, or feel differently when I am done? Let me repeat that. What do I want my listeners to think, do, or feel differently when I'm done? In other words, what difference are you there to make? Because if you're not there to make a difference, you really ought not be trying to speak. How will your audience's condition be changed as a result of experiencing your presentation? How will your audience's condition be changed? What are you there to do for them? What are you there to accomplish? Whenever you know the answer to that question, what do I want my audience to think, do, or feel differently when I'm done, then you're ready to use the answer to that question as a filter, a filter through which everything must pass if it is to go into that presentation. And when I say everything, I mean every word, every paragraph, every chart, every diagram, Everything you want to present needs to go through that filter. Does it support your specific purpose? Does it help you accomplish the change that you are trying to make? Once you know your specific purpose, that becomes your filter, and it's much easier to figure out what to leave out of your presentation. And you see, the problem, a problem that I see many speakers having is not knowing what to leave out. And so they try to cram too much in. When you hear someone racing through a presentation trying to cram as many words as possible as they can into it, you know there is a person who has not applied good filtering to their content. As one of my mentors in the speaking business, Craig Valentine, is fond of saying, when you squeeze too much content in, you squeeze your audience out. When you're trying to cram in as many words as possible with no pauses, no space for breath, no opportunities for your audience to think about your content and engage with your ideas, ponder what your ideas mean for them, then your audience is not going to take away from that experience nearly as much as you think that they should be able to. So use that filter. Use the filter of the specific purpose. What do you want your listeners to think, do, or feel differently when you are done? A second aspect that I would encourage you to focus on is what does your audience most need from you right now when you're presenting that information? Let me repeat that. What does your audience most need from you? 
when you think about your audience's needs as well as thinking about the difference that you're trying to make to them, then you're well on your way to being more audience-focused and less focused on yourself and your nervousness. Let me give you an example of how I learned the importance of understanding your audience's needs. In late 2006, I was working to design and begin to deliver a training project. I was not doing this by myself. There was a team of people involved. What we were doing was we were designing a training program that would support the rollout of a new digital microwave radio technology. It doesn't matter whether you know what that is, into the part of TV broadcasting known as ENG, or electronic news gathering. It's what you see news vans and helicopters doing when they're reporting live from a certain location. It's the same technology that's used in many remote live sports applications. So it's part of the infrastructure by which live TV news and sports coverage is possible. Well, there was a legacy analog technology that was being replaced with a new digital technology, and that was making a lot of people in the broadcasting industry very nervous. Because the people who use this technology day in and day out, under, in many cases, very competitive pressure to have the best newscast ratings in their market, were afraid that they were going to come to work one day and find that their job skills would now be obsolete because of this change in the technology. So it was decided that there needed to be a training program commensurate with the rollout, commensurate with the scale of the rollout of this new technology, which was industry-wide, nationwide. I was recruited initially as the subject matter expert for this training project, and then due to some changes, and I'll give you the short, for, short version of the story, I ended up running the project. When we first rolled out, the, when we, a group of engineers slash trainers that we had assembled, first rolled out this curriculum, this training, to a couple of test audiences, it was not well received. And we, being engineers, went back to solve that problem. Why was this program not being well received that we were presenting to them? It had terrific information in it, about the technology, coded orthogonal frequency division multiplexing. I mean, if you knew nothing about that before you went into the program, you would know something about it coming out, and that was our goal, was to deliver information, right? In retrospect, I realized how foolish that was. If you're going to teach someone how to drive, you don't start by explaining to them internal combustion, much less a turbocharger. You start by showing them how to turn the key and put the car in gear. And that's what we had missed. We were not focusing on the needs of our audience. Our audience, the people who were using this equipment on a daily basis, did not actually need to know how the digital modulation scheme worked and why it was so much better than what they had been using and how it was going to eliminate many of the problems that they'd had previously with establishing their links between remote facilities and a TV studio. What they needed to know was how can I avoid being yelled at, or worse, fired, when I show up for work and the technology has changed and I don't know how to use the new technology? The problem we had to solve for our audience was not lack of information. It was fear. Fear of obsolescence. So when we realized that, which I came to see after 
actually spending some time in the field with people using legacy technology, which you would think we would have done before then. When we came to realize that, we completely revamped the training project. And we began addressing that need. Now, we did not set them up for a workshop and say, we're here to take away your fear. But in fact, the idea of taking away their fear informed everything we did in the design of that program. We showed them how people doing the same job they were currently doing were using the legacy technology and said, now, does this look like what you already do? And of course, they said, well, yes, it does. Now, we may do things a little bit differently at our TV station than they did at that one. But yes, that looks like basically how we do our job today. Then we showed them another video montage of people using the new technology at a station that was already equipped with it and asked them, what do you notice that's different? What do you notice that's the same? And by doing that, we were able to take away their fear of the new technology because they saw for themselves the similarities and the differences and that the differences were not insurmountable. The program was ultimately successful. When I say successful, it was a huge project because of the delays in rolling out the technology nationwide and the many obstacles to be overcome in uh, changing out the infrastructure at so many TV stations. It took longer than we had counted on originally, but it was completely successful in that no one ever came back and said, we're not getting the use of the new facilities that we were told we would because we couldn't understand how to use it. How many people did that affect? Over 10,000 in about 900 locations, not only from Maine to California, but from the U.S. Virgin Islands to Guam. It was a huge project. It took us 33 months, and we reached over 10,000 people and helped them become comfortable with this new technology. It was an unprecedented training effort in that industry. And the reason we were ultimately successful with it was because we changed our view of what our audiences needed from us. That is a key starting point for being audience-focused. Now I'm going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to go on into another point that will help you with being more audience-focused and, in a first for the power of story and science, I'm going to give you, my listeners and viewers, a homework assignment. So you can look forward to that, and I'll be back in just a minute. I'm David Odie on the power of story and science. You are a knowledgeable expert, and you want your expertise to make a difference to your audience, but you can't see them and gauge their reactions. Therefore, you need new tools for engaging that unseen audience. Hi, I'm David Odie, offering you a way to pick up those tools. In my new self-paced online course, you will discover three ways to improve your story. One fascinating tool for hooking your audience's attention and eight details in your physical environment that will set you apart from other virtual presenters. Today's technical presentations are going virtual, and that means you can reach a wider audience as long as you understand how to serve that audience. So join me for the online course, Own the Virtual Stage. Confidently connect with an unseen audience. Just go to ownthevirtualstage.com for details. And we're back. This is The Power of Story and Science, and I'm your host, David Odie. And today's content comes from my forthcoming book, 
the speaker's quick guide to presenting with confidence, and you can get more information about the availability of that book on my website at davidote.com. I'm focusing today on the second chapter of that book, which is all about overcoming your nervousness by focusing on your audience and not on yourself. And so far, I've given you two tips for accomplishing that goal of being more audience-focused. First, make sure that you understand your specific purpose, what you want your listeners to think, do, or feel differently when you're done. Second, ask yourself what your audience needs from you. And then the third point is, how will you improve your listener's condition? That is, how will your audience benefit from having heard you by the time you are done? You see, so much of the time, what we do in technical presentations is we focus on the information. Instead of asking the question, what information does my audience need to understand to improve their condition, to improve their appreciation of the state of the art, to improve their understanding of the engineering solution that I'm trying to sell them, to improve their understanding of how their work may perhaps complement my work so that we might be able to collaborate on something. So when you have your specific purpose in mind, then you can focus on what your audience needs, truly needs from you. As I told you before the break, I had an experience early in, earlier in my career. In fact, it was the experience that ended up providing the catalyst for me leaving television when that program was over at the end of 2009 and going full-time into training, public speaking, and speaker coaching, which is what has led to this podcast, that background in physics and engineering and my interest in telling the story of my work. And you heard me explain how we came to understand, we, the engineers who were creating that curriculum, came to understand that our audience needed from us a release from their fear and anxiety about what this new technology was going to mean for them to do their jobs. So here's what I would encourage you to do. And this is your homework exercise. All right. If you are planning a presentation and you've been thinking about the information you're going to present, I want you to pause as soon as you finish hearing this program and ask this question. And this comes right out of chapter two of my book. How will my audience benefit from hearing me talk? How will my audience benefit from hearing me talk? This is a little writing exercise that I embedded right into the second chapter of the book. And what I encourage the readers to do is when you're ready, close the book, set it aside and write as many answers as you can to that question. How will my audience benefit? from experiencing my presentation or hearing my talk. Think about that. Write down as many answers to that question as you can think of. And then decide how you, when you present, are going to meet their need for those particular benefits. Let's consider some examples. Perhaps you are an engineer You've devised a solution to a particular problem. You and other engineering firms are competing for an opportunity to provide that solution to a customer who has a specific need and may have written a request for, may have released a request for proposals. So 
What does your audience need? How will they benefit? Well, they need to come to an understanding that your solution is the one that they want, right? How will they benefit? You're going to be more successful at selling your solution if you truly believe that they will benefit the most from your solution compared to a competitor's solution. So what is the benefit they stand to gain from hearing your presentation? Knowing that they are making a confident, well-informed decision to adopt your solution compared with someone else's. They need that assurance, that confidence that they are making the right decision and spending their money in the right place. What if you are a scientist presenting the result of your pure research? Now, it may be harder to imagine how your audience benefits from that because perhaps at this phase there is not a practical application of your research. It's pure science. What if that audience has to decide? Well, a simple decision would be whether to read your published works, whether to invest their mental effort and their time in reading your full report on which your presentation is based. There's only a finite amount of time available to them. So you want them to decide, wow, I don't want to do anything else until I've read that paper and fully understood what that research was about and its implications. So again, it's about the need of the audience. How will they benefit? They will benefit from knowing that they've made the right decision on where to spend, in this case, their time reading your papers. Anytime you are presenting information to someone, it's not the information that has a need. We talk often about the need to get this information out there. But the information does not have a need. It's you and your audience as human beings who have needs. So focus on the needs of your audience and ask that question, how will they benefit? How will my audience benefit from hearing me present this information or from experiencing my presentation? And while we're on the subject of presentations, let's review what a presentation is. Because so often, in fact, just recently when I received a, a solicitation to uh, present uh, to a group of, of graduate students, uh, so often the question comes up, can we see your presentation ahead of time? And of course, what they're referring to is PowerPoint slides. Or can we take a copy of your presentation when you're done? And again, they're just referring to the graphics, the slides. And the thing I often find myself explaining to people is, the visual aid is not the presentation. We've come to accept that the word presentation is virtually synonymous with a PowerPoint deck or other file for another program, perhaps, that puts visuals on the screen. That's wrong. That is your visual aid. What is the presentation? You are. Here's my definition of your presentation. Your presentation is everything your audience perceives you to do, to say, or to show them from the time you have their attention until the time you relinquish it. It's everything they experience because of you being in front of them, to put it briefly. They experience you talking. Do they experience you fumbling around with your projector or your microphone? Guess what? That's part of how they're forming their impression 
of who you are as a speaker. That becomes part of your presentation. So make sure that you've checked out your technology ahead of time. Make sure that your visuals truly support your specific purpose and what you are there to say. And make sure that you understand what you are presenting to your audience in the form of your words, your presence, your physical presence, your pauses for them to consider how they relate to the information you've just stated to them. These are all part of the presentation. And that screen that is over your shoulder, just because it's there, doesn't mean it has to be filled all the time. One of my favorite tools as a presenter is the black slide. Or, what many people advocate is using the B button on your keyboard. B for black. It will make the screen go dark. When that happens, the audience's attention is naturally focused on you again. When you are consciously directing your audience's attention to the right places, you're putting your audience at ease. And that is yet another way of focusing on the needs of your audience instead of your own needs as a presenter. So, how can you become more audience-focused? Think about your specific purpose, what you want your audience to think, do, or feel differently when you are done. Think about what your audience audience's needs are that are bringing them to hear or experience your presentation. And think about how your audience will benefit from experiencing your presentation. That is how you can start to become more audience-focused. Why you want to become more audience-focused is so that you can be known as the presenter who serves not information, but serves the needs of your audience. You see, your information goes nowhere if you don't meet the needs of your audience. And the more you focus on yourself, the more nervous you're likely to get. The more you focus on your information, the more likely you are to give an information dump instead of a memorable presentation that is quoted and thought of highly. And so what you want to do instead of focusing on yourself, instead of focusing on your information, is focus on your audience. You are there not to serve up information, but to serve your audience. These ideas and more can be available to you through the latest book in the Speaker's Quick Guide series, The Speaker's Quick Guide to Presenting with Confidence, the release of which is imminent, and you can find information about that at davidodie.com. I would love to engage in conversation with you, so please feel free to contact me. One way to do that is to go to my website, davidodie.com, and simply find one of the buttons that says Schedule Consultation. That will take you to a place where you can find 15 minutes that works on your calendar and mine, and we can set up a Zoom call. So if you have questions, or if you'd like to discuss possible applications of the information you've heard here, or if you have an idea about future guests for a conversation episode of The Power of Story and Science, feel free to contact me. I would love to hear from you. This is The Power of Story and Science, and I'm David Odie. Thank you for being part of this community. This has been The Power of Story and Science. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, leave us a review, or so that you don't miss anything, subscribe at Podbean or wherever you like to get your podcasts. This program is a production of Speaking of Solutions, LLC. 
Theme music by Kevin Lufkin. I'm David Odie. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.